Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the McMahon Podcast. This is episode six. We're closing out the year here, 2021. New Year's Eve is right around the corner. 2022 is on the horizon, and it's me and Mr. Sean F. here bringing you the mayhem. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, yeah. I'm excited for the holidays, you? I'm very excited for the holidays. I've had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I had family and friends in from out of town. It was kind of like a sitcom, just people running in and out of rooms, beers being drank, food for days. I did what I used to do, which is take all of the Thanksgiving leftovers and make something with them this year. But I did it a little different. Usually I make kind of sandwiches, just like anyone else. But because I, I have an air fryer, as you know, I took it all and I got these Asian rice wraps, like that you would get like a spring roll in. Yeah. And I put it all in there. What I did with the cranberry sauce is I mixed it with mayonnaise and made an aioli out of it. And I put that in there as well and I air fried it. So I basically made these spring rolls, these Thanksgiving spring rolls. Uh, and I am officially finished with Thanksgiving. I don't need to, I don't need any more Thanksgiving food at the moment. The Mad McManus cookbook is going to be ready for the holidays this year. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, you've already shared two great recipes, so sounds like you enjoy coming up with creative ideas for that. Yeah, in college, <laughs> I was the guy that took the slop that was in the refrigerator and turned it into gourmet food. My roommates were a little bit rich, and they would buy all this food. None of them knew how to cook. And to be honest with you, I didn't either. I guess by proxy, I learned from my father, who was always in the kitchen, and then my stepfather, who was always in the kitchen, two very different kinds of cooks. But the deal was I could make masterful pieces of food, and they would buy the food. So trial and error etc etc but in my dorm room system girls would smell the food and we would have these massive dinner parties both in my undergraduate and when i did an internship in orlando florida i was a tour guide at disney world which we can spend a whole episode on disney world but then i i, I did it there as well sounds like you would do well in prison People, uh, people would bring you Doritos and, and uh, beef jerky and be like, what can you do with this? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I was pitching a television show for about two years called Commissary Kitchen, which was a show that showcased what is called hyphy cooking. There's a gentleman by the name of Callie Muscle who is the voice of this food subculture. He started doing it on YouTube many moons ago and has an empire now on YouTube doing all kinds of different videos, not just food-based videos. But the guy is like three me's combined, plus one more. He's huge. But he would take ramen. First of all, what you can do with ramen behind bars or in general is immense. You could Google it. It'll blow your mind. You could take ramen, some form of chips, and you smash them up together and kind of make a powder of the two. And then you take hot water, pour it into the Doritos bag or the, the chips bag, and you chop up Slim Jims and some kind of 
cheese, like cheese doodles, some kind of cheese component. And I'm missing some elements here, but you then you wrap it in a warm towel and let it solidify and it's called a hyphy burrito and that's and they're selling them behind bars and so these are things you can get in the commissary and then create stuff on people in prison are taking two ends of a wire and heating up the bottom of their bed which is really a metal plate then turning that metal plate into a stovetop essentially and making all kinds of food you can also make cakes out of Soda like Coke, and if you crunch over, you crunch a whole bunch of Oreos, and you put it in a Tupperware and let it sit, it rises, and make a cake, a chocolate cake out of it. There, the list goes on and on and on. And I was developing a television show uh, around this food subculture for many years, and it got really close, and then it didn't go. Then it kind of fell through the cracks. And as of the last maybe six months, we've kind of pumped the brakes on, on pushing it. It's an amazing idea. It's a, there's a, a wealth of amazing dishes out there. It just is it's a it appears that media or television isn't ready for it yet or just doesn't understand it fully. Yeah. So that's but that's it's called hyphy cooking and it's <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. Nice. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get creative in those situations, and they got nothing but time, so makes sense. It makes perfect sense. It really it really does, and that's a good idea. They're using it as as money as well. They're using this food as as money, like they it is it it's something that you can trade for other goods in that system. And the idea that I had, or that me and my partners had, was to make a food competition show around this where former incarcerated men and women would come using the skills that they taught themselves behind bars and as they won rounds would incorporate traditional cooking into the into the mix and in a, for a chance to win either like a sum of money to start your own restaurant food truck etc or even a scholarship to go to a proper mm. food academy of some kind i like it yeah I think, um, you know, we started this this whole thing off with, with money, power, and respect because you asked me if there was a theme to this episode. And I don't know if there really is, aside from the fact that I think, I think that there is some inflation happening out there. I went to the grocery store last night, and I just wanted some bare, bare necessities, you know, milk, eggs, butter, chicken breasts, et cetera. And Everything was so expensive. What would have normally cost me like, I don't know, 25 bucks cost me $55. And the same goes for gas. Mm -hmm. And although we have a new president and we've had massive stimulus packages, there's just been a divide between what it appears we should be at and what we are at, where we are actually at as a country in regards to money right now it's weird out there to fill up your car costs double what it used to at the same time there's just massive shift towards decentralized money like cryptocurrency you and i have spoken about cryptocurrency and i'm obsessed with it and have been for over a year now but right now it's crashing <laughs> in a bit it, it, like it does yeah It'll it will bounce back, you know. I'm sure you, if you f f follow cryptocurrency, chances are it will go back to whatever its all time high was at some point. You could just kind of 
guess that at some point it will get back to the point it was at its highest so that you can be sure of that. But again, it's not certain. Well, if you look at over the course of this entire year, we're still up on everything, you know, even after such a dip. Yeah. I mean, even look at sheep. People are complaining. It's so funny (laughs) going on Reddit communities that are centered around cryptocurrency when things are high and then when things are low, like everyone's like, what the F is happening? I put my savings into this. You guys told me to invest. Just do your research, man. About cryptocurrency on the whole and subsequently the specific tokens that you are interested in because it, it's a great investment if you're interested in it and you can, if you invest money that you're okay to lose – but you can't complain when it's volatile. I mean, it's it, it, on a daily basis. It's completely like she was at an all-time like low for the week at like Sunday morning at three a.m. I thought it was like point zero 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 three four, and it, about a couple of months ago, it was at at nine at point zero 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 nine. Which is amazing, but people don't understand when you get into this that it's kind of a long haul, that you should really think about the fact that you might want to ignore it. Like, just don't even pretend it's not even there. Like, the fact is people win by holding, and the longer you hold, chances are things will go up. Things will go up. And it's fun for me. It's like a video game. I don't want to spend a whole episode talking about cryptocurrency, but I feel like the concept of currency is just so strange right now. Yeah. The U.S. dollar is very weak, and everything is very expensive, and there's still massive unemployment out there. There's still a lot of uncertainty, especially in the face of this new variant. If we were in a movie, Sean, mm. if if... The pandemic or whatever you want to call it, because it's more than just the pandemic. There was, you know, the racial disparity based around all the all these murders that kind of came to a head with with George Floyd and some some other deaths. And I think all of these things kind of happened around the same time. And people were out of work and upset for both, you know, personal and professional reasons. The list goes on and on. And and a tipping point took place. So this has been more than just a pandemic. The pandemic kind of was the umbrella of the whole thing. Is what he's doing, making any noise? Okay, great. I'm glad he's occupied. <laughs> so, what? What? If this was a movie, Sean, where are we? Like, what in this, in the in the movie of like where we are right now? Like, where where are we? People are still working from home. I haven't heard anyone, especially in Hollywood, that has had to go back into the office. Yeah. Well, for the movie metaphor, I'm not too sure, but what I say, what I tell people is the pot is bubbling and we're about to find out what happens when it bubbles over. So You're not the only person who says that. So I guess we're coming to like the third act of the film, right? <laughs> right. Do you follow the crime that's taking place in Los Angeles right now? Uh, there's a couple Instagram pages. There's street people of LA and like LA homeless or whatever. And they, yeah, they kind of like highlight burglaries and mm-hmm. oh are you talking about like the melrose day oh, all of day it. robberies people just sitting at a cafe in the middle of the day and some guy with someone a gun. walks up takes their watch their bags their wallets in broad daylight not even wearing a mask yeah people are pulling up in cars in front of like g-wagons and 
and sticking people up, taking their belongings. People are following others home into their houses in Hancock Park, mothers with strollers. And I'm not justifying any of this, but I'm saying these this is an outcome of, of poverty. Desperation. If you have a lot of money right now and you're driving around and, and flossing and, and showing it off, there's almost like a target on your head. Not on your head, but on, on, on your situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think things are a lot more serious because I, we live in a major metropolitan city and it's dense and you can feel a vibe shift instantaneously. But I do feel like there is something really taking place right now that the rest of the country might not even understand. I remember watching videos in 1992 of the riots that took place in Los Angeles and hearing about the crime in L.A. And obviously there's a lot of movies about this, this time period as well. But I feel like this it kind of resembles that. I'm not. I'm not walk. I'm not walking around at night right now. I'm not, and that's not me. That's not me being like over cautious. That's me being appropriately cautious. Mm-hmm. Sorry, can I do a little side note? You sure. just you reminded me about the L.A. riots in '92. Uh, the actor John Cho, who's in the new Cowboy Bebop, he was mm-hmm. in Held in Kumar. He did Bobby Lee's podcast, and he just talked about how he wrote a book about uh, a young teenage Korean boy during the 92 riots. So, I was talking not about this book, but about the Korean experience during that time. Koreatown is not that far from where we sit right now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mom-and-pop shops, restaurants. Koreatown's massive, and it's a massive Korean population. It might be like the biggest Korean population in the States. And families were just posted up on top of their stores defending their livelihoods. There were, it's kind of like, the, the, from what I understand, the Korean culture and the black culture kind of came to a, a, you know, an official clash in that moment. It was, I've, I've seen some, some video of that. What an intense moment that was. And I hope we don't have to get to another place like that, but I do think that we really need to start paying attention to these signs. It, it was scary last summer. I mean, I, if you saw any, any of the videos of like Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica or downtown, even Melrose got, mm-hmm. you know, hit. Oh, yeah. It, it was it, nuts. It, they lit the Grove on fire. Mm, yep. The Grove, <laughs> you know? It, it's like this, a, is, this goes beyond symbolism. This is... This is what happens when this happens. And I, I hope that we're learning from it. I, I'm learning from it. Homelessness is up, way up. And I think they just, LA made homelessness illegal. That's why they're taking, they're, I th- I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on that, but I feel, I feel like I read that somewhere that they are just taking encampments and striking them from the streets. They have been taking measures. I remember there was a big deal at, uh, when they did it at Echo Park. Mm-hmm. But, but that place was overrun. I mean, you couldn't enjoy yourself on the grass. It was tents everywhere. It was like uh, you couldn't even go there and just hang out n- anymore. So, And to anyone listening that's never been to L.A. or actually maybe never even been to downtown Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles is a pretty, it's a pretty interesting place. 
it, these, it's a it's a big you know, Gotham City looking type situation, and not in the center of the city. Usually in downtowns in cities, exist in the center of a city, but downtown is almost on the outside of town. It's uh, it's on it's on the perimeter of of Los Angeles, and that's where Skid Row is. But Skid Row has erupted into a majority of the downtown area. If you take if you take a subway downtown or if you drive downtown, you definitely feel a presence of danger or, or, or just of uncertainty, disparity. It's I, I when people are saying they when people tell me they're going downtown, I think I think, man, they, unless you're going somewhere in a building that is kind of safe, I would I would definitely watch out, you know. Well, the contrast downtown is so crazy to see because it's expensive to live downtown. So you got all these well-to-do looking people just walking past tents, you know, tent encampments. It's really interesting to see the difference. It's almost like the two worlds are just colliding at the same exact time. Mm. It, re- it really is. You've been to Grand Central Market, right? I love it there. Yeah. That place is great. Grand Central Market is an indoor market where you can get any kind of food that you like as well as spices and stuff like that. And they have clothing, but it's awesome. If you want to go on a date with anyone, go to the Grand Central Market. They have the best Mexican food in the world is there. They have a beer garden. They have just run-of-the-mill sandwich shops and oyster shucking station egg slut is down there which is a, a cha- not a chain but like a popular brand here in los angeles it's awesome downtown's got a lot of history and also just so you know if you're watching television a lot of television shows that say they're that look like they're in new york city are actually downtown los angeles uh, Watson, my my other podcast host, he uh, he told me when I first moved here that there's some kind of rule downtown that if you're building a building, it has to be at least so many floors just for that, so that they can use those buildings to look like New York for films. And oh, stuff. I think I've heard that before too. I, th- I definitely have. So, anyway, as we're closing out the the year here in Los Angeles, when it comes to this time, basically the week after Thanksgiving, the town shuts down foreseeably till the first week in January. Sounds crazy, but it's true. My manager posted a video recently that said something like, we're getting dangerously close to that period of time where we reply to emails saying, let's just circle back in the new year. And it's true. People kind of hit the pause button right around this time. Basically, by Friday of this week, which is in a couple of days, that's kind of where we're going to be at until January 6th or 7th. So a lot of people, myself included, are trying to close out the year on a high note. Any contracts that are waiting in the wings, try to get them signed so that the potential for these things to mature in the new year is there. I've been pitching television shows for 10 years now, and I'm in the process of just waiting for something to to get signed hopefully by the end of this week. And it's hard for me sometimes, even when good things are happening, to not take the good thing with a grain of salt. Because I've had situations where I've 
written a television show, pitched it to a TV network, signed contracts, started casting it, looking at locations in other states to be filming in. And then the president of the network gets fired. And anything that was on the table before that happened gets wiped off the table. I've been cast on television shows, shot pilots, the show gets greenlit for a season, and then the, everyone in the original cast that was in the pilot gets recast because the head of the network shifts again, likes the concept for the show, but wants to put all their friends in the show. I've not gone home for Christmas because I was cast in a Super Bowl commercial with Sofia Vergara, and I was driving to the fitting for the commercial, and I get a phone call where the the three minute, I'm sorry, the 30 second commercial is now 15 seconds and the role of the best man in the wedding in the commercial is no longer needed. And then I was just here for the holidays. And I, there's also this one commercial director that calls me annually via my agent to come and audition for a massively lucrative company's project it's he does liquor commercials that are like mini movies and he always has me sing in the audition room for him like, like even there's no singing in the commercial whatsoever and he's foreign and eccentric and every single time i go in there and sing like a different disney song for him i know this sounds crazy but this is hollywood and last time i went in to see him I, he was like, don't I know you? I'm like, yeah, you've, this is the fifth year in a row where you call me in here to audition for you. There is a script, but you ask me to sing for you. And then I go home. I get placed on what is called hard avail for this, which means it's between me and another guy. And then I go into the new, into the new year thinking I'm going to make $50,000. And then I get released from the job. And he's like, these are the. This is the way this this business works, and that's the the reality. That's the, these wacky things happen. So right now, around this time of year, everyone you see that's in the business is scurrying around, trying to understand what the next year of their life may or may not look like, and all of these hyper sensitive moments take place. Every email you get, every audition you go on, everyone around you is literally just trying to see where they and what their scorecard says for the year. But you said something to me in the elevator to my building earlier today. You're like, I'm going I'm going to not give a fuck for the rest of the year. I'm going super lazy. <laughs> and you know what? I've done everything that I needed to do. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I've just been, I've worked my ass off on so many things this year. Things that I, were just like passion projects that turned into non-passion projects, like legitimately tangible things. And that's a, that's a cool thing. Like your, your buddy, the, his buddy Watson, um, Watson that uh, he does his um, other podcast with, he's got a movie that he made that he was able to have a panel at Comic-Con last, last week and you know, we've been watching that materialize. These things that are just passionate ideas in our brains can really turn into really awesome, tangible things. But at some point, you kind of have to separate yourself from the outcome because you've done all the work. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to pump the brakes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chill. I'm going to Vegas this weekend with my buddy. 
I'm going to bring a suit, a couple of cigars. I'm going to go swimming. I'm going to get I'm going to get weird. I have to get weird. It's been too long since I've gotten weird. I mean, in general, I'm kind of a weird guy, but I mean like howl at the moon. Get a little nutty. You know, run into some strangers and get into some strange shit. That's that's my that's my plan moving forward cuz sometimes that's the smart thing. That's the place for it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yep. And that's you know that's why we started the the podcast off with money. I think with 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 money power respect because it's weird. You're taught that as an American that you're in competition with everyone around you and that you have to acquire money so that you can acquire power and that you get respect. But really, I mean, all of that, all of that, it should be the other way. You should respect yourself first. That gives you personal power. And hopefully, you know, the right the money will get to you in a way that makes you feel fulfilled. We need, we need, we need money. We need a roof overhead. We need food. We need clothes. We need, the, we need these things. But I think ultimately, I just need to. I just need to respect the process and myself. I think we we run ourselves ragged just getting on a hamster wheel, hopping off to tie our laces even tighter and get back on it. I've lived in in a couple major metropolitan cities, and I've seen friends of mine go legitimately crazy from just putting too much pressure on themselves. Do you make New Year's resolutions? Um. I wouldn't say resolutions, but what I've been doing for the last two years now is on the first, I go like cold turkey on all of my bad habits. Like right now, sure. right now I'm indulging in all the weed and video games that I can, that I have time for. But when the first comes, it's, it's back to morning yoga and workouts, no more video games, no smoking for at least a month, you know, just get my tolerance back. And so I'm usually really good at that. And I, I look forward to it. And the way I see it, it's like just get it all out of your system and literally by the time the first comes i i don't even want to do those things because i've just like so overindulged in it so it's it works for me mhm 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 what video games are you playing uh league of legends <laughs> i don't know anything about that game what's I, that all about I, I don't have a console i sold my ps4 and i moved out here so all i have is my pc so league of legends is a is a moba style and it's it's just like you have a, a, a base and, and an enemy base and you're just kind of pushing across the map to their base to take it out. And it's five people versus five people. So there's 10 people live. And it's, I just call it like modern day chess. It's very strategic and interesting. But. I just saw this thing about the metaverse, not just fa <laughs> not even just like Facebook's metaverse, but there's this NFT world that you can really you could buy fictitious land or land inside the metaverse, and you can build on it, and it, as time goes on, the land's value will mature, and you can put you know houses and warehouses and restaurants. It's like the, it's like Sims, but in this metaverse, and. Is are we gonna arrive at Ready Player One? Is it going to be like that? Is it going to look like that? How real and vivid? Ultimate by the time I'm eighty years old, if I'm lucky enough to make it there, will it really look like an alternate reality? I don't know. They've been able to make video games look pretty damn real. 
Well, you know, if you look at people who play video games right now, for for a lot of them, the games are more exciting than their everyday life. And I think that VR is going to be that. It's going to be more exciting than most people's everyday lives. And they're going to be incorporating ways that you can make a living for yourself in these in these VR worlds. You can have a job in there and you can earn a living. So that's just going to make it even more enticing to participate. I mean, yeah, in Grand Theft Auto, the most recent version, professional DJs, like well-known very famous DJs are DJing in nightclubs in Grand Theft Auto. You could go to a nightclub and there's Tiesto playing in in real time. And you and you could see them inside there doing that. That's crazy to me. If someone would have told me when I was playing Ninja Turtles the arcade game when I was 9 years old on Nintendo that I could go into a a room and see uh, MC Hammer performing in real time, I would have been like, nah, really? But that's kind of where we're at right now. There's the possibility, it's the Wild West. Mm-hmm. The whole, this whole thing, cryptocurrency, NFTs, the metaverse, it's, it's really uncharted territory. And it's, it's funny having conversations with people that have no concept of any of it and trying to convince them that there is some real tangible future there. And at the same time, it's so volatile that there is no real tangible future. There, there's seemingly no real tangible future because of how volatile the whole thing is. Yeah, there's some, there's some hurdles for those, those things to get over before it can be more, more massively adopted. Um, but, and, and also I think it's, it's just kind of a little clunky you know, so so they have to make it a little more streamlined, accessible. But it's everything's just going to move towards that, I think. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question, and you could answer it as honestly as you want. When someone says the word, the phrase on this is how I look on paper, that usually means not how not necessarily how much money you have saved, but if you have debts that are paid off or paid on time, if you have a, a car that works and an apartment that works. You've never, never laid on your rent. So, you know, if I look good on paper, you hear girls say this. He looks great on paper when they're dating someone because it means that they are secure and safe and stable in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I was very old until I got quote-unquote good on paper. I was... When my son's mother and I split up, I didn't have a lot of money, and I, my college loans were in default. My credit was horrible. It, I remember sitting in front of my friend who was like a financial advisor and just like telling him all of the things that I was insecure about. And he's like, and he said, this list is large. It's a little messed up right now what you have to accomplish. But once you start doing it, all the pieces will come together. And it's true. I think that it's very easy for people or young adults to just forget that they have to do certain things and let things fall to the wayside. And they can really mess up their adulthood that way. And I'm just telling my listeners out there, if you feel like you need to get a hold on all this stuff, it's completely possible. Get yourself an American Express everyday card, pay it off in full every month. Your credit will increase over three, four years time to a really good credit score. 
If you have student loans that need to be consolidated, call the number and do it. Because I had around $15,000 of random loans all over the place that they helped find, consolidate, and now I make one payment. And if you're not making any money right now or if you're not making enough money, you can defer it and still it still appears that you're making regular payments. That's another option for you. If your car is not working, if you need an oil change, get your oil changed. Because if your car breaks, that's a lot of money you're going to have to pay for a new car or you're going to be carless. These are just like basic things. You know what? My father didn't tell me or teach me. My mom tried teaching me how to balance a checkbook. That was the extent of my parents' financial training for me. I think that a lot of us as young men and women or even middle-aged men or women are fearful of stuff like cryptocurrency or even the stock market or NFTs because we were never properly taught how to even think about money. What's the first thing you hear about money as a child? What's the first thing you hear about money? That it doesn't grow on trees. Right, but that it's dirty. Don't touch mm. that, it's dirty. Mm-hmm. Don't put that in your don't 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 touch that those those coins and then put your fingers in your mouth. It's money's dirty. That is the first thing that we hear about money as children is that it's dirty. Do you know where that? And so we separate physically from it. We in our minds like we we can have it. It's good to have, but it's dirty. And then you're taught that Ferraris are fun to drive. That going to Hawaii is really fun. That having a mansion is the is is the right thing to adhere towards setting as a goal. And there's this divide where we're taught that money is that doesn't grow on trees, and there's which is a metaphor for there's trees everywhere, but money doesn't grow on it, and so therefore you you're going to have to fight to get it. And then as you get older, you're taught to compete against everyone around you just so that you can have more than them, which means that intrinsically other people have less. <clears throat> and then it becomes this game where we're taught, especially where I'm from in New York, that I need to be better than you. And proof of that is the fact that I have more money than you. And it just creates an unhealthy relationship to the concept of money. And that's kind of what I think cryptocurrency is doing. I was trying, my friend is a Princeton graduate. He went to uh, Georgetown for graduate school and then he got a business degree from, I forget the name, why, why is it escaping me right now? It's a, it's, it, it's a well-known business school. Regardless, he's against cryptocurrency. He says it's going to crash the whole financial system which, because of market caps and so on and so forth. But what I said to him is, I have... African-American friends that never invested in stocks, that really, uh, that never really understood markets as such, just like me, I'm the same, but they're teaching their communities and their families about cryptocurrency and they're thriving and they're making a lot of money, money that is real. And they're learning how to elevate their socioeconomical situation and standpoint using cryptocurrency because it's approachable and it's a brand new thing that they can make their own, that we can make their own. There's a community around cryptocurrency. Every single different token has a community around it. And I know I, I poked fun at these communities earlier on Reddit, but there these armies of people are 
t- talking about their life goals and their dreams. Some are like, oh, if this thing hits point zero zero three, what are you going to do with the money? And most of the times people are saying stuff like, I'm going to buy my dad a house. I'm going to pay off my aunt's medical bills. I'm, f- I'm finally going to pay off my student loans, put a little bit more money back into cryptocurrency and set myself up for a proper retirement. There's dreams attached to this stuff. I feel like a lot of people felt have felt that the stock market was something that was impenetrable to the working class, that it was not something that we really had access to. Sure, we could invest our money into it, but no one really sat us aside to be like, this is easy to understand. You can be a part of this and this world, and you can enrich your life and the life of your loved ones. And I'm seeing this with cryptocurrency. I'm seeing this with my own friends and my own two eyes and my own wallet. And I, and I feel like that's beautiful, Sean. I, I, I know that that's beautiful because we're including everyone and it's brand new and it's the Wild West. So we're all just putting our flags in the ground or anchors in the water and collaborating on learning about something that is new, risky, aside from Bitcoin and Ethereum, really unproven. Everything outside of those two are really speculative. risky. Yeah. yeah. It really, I mean, and Soldana. There's other ones that are strong too. We could get into stable coins, but that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I come from a family of financial people that didn't really ever, t- my dad worked on Wall Street. His, dad, his brother worked on Wall Street. All of my cousins work on Wall Street. It's, it's a family of Wall Street people. I'm really one of the only ones that is doing something like me. And I have felt very much on the outside of that stuff. But with cryptocurrency, and I'm dyslexic, I'm not the best with math. I'm having a lot of fun. You've Mm -hmm. talked about it. Yeah, no, it's exciting. It's a gold rush right now. You know, one thing about the stock market was like, the only thing you could really hope for in returns in a year is like maybe 20, 30%, you know, like that was exciting for someone in the stock market. But in crypto, you know, if in the stock market, if you only have 100 or $250 to play with, you're like, so what, I'm going to make 25 bucks this year. Mm-hmm. But in crypto, you can 10x, 100x. It's like, it's so much more exciting. And to, to think that, oh, I can turn $100 into 1,000 or 10,000 possibly, that's that's just, I mean, it's gambling, but it's much more exciting. And it can be life changing for a lot of people. Fuck yeah, it can. I know. I know a guy that that made like four hundred thousand dollars off a of sheep. Jeez. Oh, you know, uh, I I put like four hundred dollars into to sheep uh, initially, and that went up to like five k. It went down again. I haven't taken any out, and mm. that's you, you have to be okay with seeing that. It went up to you know around five thousand dollars, just just below five thousand dollars, and then i i didn't se- I didn't sell because you have to like brave that storm. Everyone's got their own tactic, and it's kind of emotional. It's an emotional <laughs> journey, this thing, and it happens throughout all periods of the day and night. I'm all like, I'm always checking the app. It's kind of unhealthy. I feel like I'm in a relationship with the Shiba Inu token, Same. which is a meme coin. <laughs> Which is creating its own kind of uh, metaverse, or it's called Shibarium, I believe is how you say it. But 
Yes, it's it's definitely interesting to me and something that I didn't think I would take to. But if you're listening and you want my crypto.com uh, referral <laughs> referral code, you can get $25 of of their CRO. Oh, it's by the way, CRO, which is crypto.com's coin. They give you $25 of it. You can only unlock it if you stake 400 US dollars worth of money on their app and then you eventually get that $25. Well, guess what? I never staked that $400. I just kept, but you can still have access to that initial $25, which by the way is up to like $350. So if it goes up another $50, I can stake that and then all that $400 becomes mine. So it's it's interesting. I never thought that that you know, crypto.com, the platform that I chose to use to trade and buy tokens would become the name of the new name of the Staples Center. Oh, I yeah. I didn't and because of that alone, its value has gone up exponentially. And I'm I'm not I'm never going to sell that stuff. I guarantee, based on the fact that it's starting to be that big of a, a company, that it's only going to keep going up over time. No, the the adoption this year is what's really crazy to see. You know, uh, El Salvador declared illegal currency, and I and Zimbabwe is looking at that right now, and just you know, banks are adding it to their balance sheets and company. It's, it's crazy. So yeah, I want uh, Alto Alto.com allows you to take your crypto and put it into an IRA. Therefore it not becoming t uh, taxable because IRAs are not taxable. So you can start a retirement plan with, with your crypto. So when I get to a certain point with one of my coins, which I have a goal, I'm going to take it off of the platform sell it or or send it to my retire one of my retirement plans which is an IRA which normally you would get like a Roth IRA or something along those lines which is a traditional IRA but this way any if anyone's like I don't want to have to pay taxes on this stuff because it's you know it's it, I'm always day trading etc cetera, etc cetera, you can send it to your retirement plan and it'll never have to be taxed so that's uh, alto.com and it it's completely legit a lot of the other financial podcasts talk about it. So you can trade within the IRA and, and mm -hmm. wow. Okay. So that's something that I have, have definitely been toying around with, playing around with exploring. So if you can have a retirement plans, which literally means your future with crypto, that means that crypto does have a future, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, this kind of a, uh like earlier you were talking about how in in our education system like we weren't educated financially we were also we were just taught to be workers you know we were taught that the 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 process was you get a good job with a good company you put in 20 years you get like a pension or a 401k and you retire and that's that's kind of an old model that's not really people aren't really pining for anymore now you have you can invest in crypto. You can in the age of the internet, you can make a living for yourself, uh, creating stuff, whatever it is. If you want to make crafts or or content, so there's just so many more ways to make a living for yourself and set yourself up for retirement than the old traditional model. I I completely agree, and it's something you can do from your couch. Yeah. Gary V said something, and I, I give him credit for being Gary V, and he says a lot of awesome things his energy is just a lot and he admits that he knows his, his energy is a lot 
but he said you if you have the energy and the idea you can you can succeed with your phone in your hand and it's and it's it's very true it's it, the equation to to the sum of success is different in every case and just because it worked for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for you but it is true it, it it's 100% true you can you can record a video with your phone edit it in your phone promote it on your phone connect with other it, i think it i think it died it's okay we're probably we're probably close to being done <laughs> but i just want i wanted to touch on on these things because i feel like all of the stuff i was talking about today in regards to hollywood in regards to the year closing out to cryptocurrency to inflation to homelessness there's definitely a, a bunch of waves that are happening simultaneously in different oceans that are converging at the same time right now. And it's easy to say that you feel like you're at the front lines when you're sitting in a city much like Los Angeles. And I definitely can feel that vibe. But one, th and what I will say to you, if you're listening, regardless of whatever kind of year you had, everyone's years, had something beautiful happen, something magical happen, so probably something difficult, many difficult things happen. I want you to take a step back like me and my man Sean right now and just fucking chill. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your heart. You owe it to your family. Just chill. Whatever it is that makes you chill and have some fun. Go Take a random walk today when you're listening to this. Smile at a random person. Smile at your freaking self in the mirror. Which, by the way, Neil deGrasse Tyson said that you can only kiss yourself in the mirror on the lips, which is true. Isn't that funny? But anyway, um, laugh a little bit. You, you owe it to yourself. And as we approach this new year, forget about this year. Once you get there, just forget about it. It's been there. It's done that. And we've been a part of a collective group of issues some solutions, but we've been together throughout this whole thing. And I, I still very, I feel I'm, a, I'm an empathetic person, but I'm also an empath, which means like I'm always feeling other people's energy. I'm seeing a lot of middle fingers on the road. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of horns. If that's you in any way, just chill. Just li listen to my voice right now and realize that everything's going to be okay. If you're a young person out there, and things are slightly uncertain to you. You don't know where you're going to go to college next year. You don't know if your boyfriend's coming back. You don't know if your girlfriend's you know, going to come back. Life's not always easy, but you can make it easier on yourself. And I just wanted to tell you that in the face of all these things that we're mentioning, you're going to be all right. And so am I. Thank you for listening to McMayhem, the podcast. This is episode six. And the next episode we will record just prior to Christmas. I look forward to sending this out there into the ether and to you telling me what you think about it. So like, follow, and subscribe on either Spotify or Apple Music, and we will be back.